Happy Valentine's Day. You know, like when you like this morning, it was 51 degrees in this auditorium. So that's why you see the electric heaters sitting around. It's not doing too bad now, but we're really glad that you came out. It said it was seven degrees this morning. I don't know about that, but that's cold. Um, you guys all right? Okay, stand up because you're not all right. Got to get you. Got to get the blood going. Got to get your blood going. Everybody, shake it off a little bit. Let's go. All right. All right. Happy Valentine's Day. Where did my lovely Valentine go? That's the. She's the best Valentine in the world. You can be seated. I just wanted to get you a little loosened up. You know, uh, today's the day that America celebrates love. Love's all over the, uh, uh, all over the place today. So what better day to talk about God's love? than on Valentine's Day. You know, um, there's statistics I wanted to just share with you about Valentine's Day I thought were kind of incredible. Here they are. Average day spending, $13,290,000. Now that's a lot of money. Woo! I could, do a mess- I could do a message on that. Number of cards exchanged, $180 million. Average number of roses, $198 million. Percent of cards bought by women, 85%. That kind of throws me off a little bit. But anyway, it <laughs> seems like it would be men that would just go in and buy a card and say, here, honey. But anyway, the percent of all flowers purchased by men, 73%. Percent of women who sent themselves flowers, 14%. <laughs> now, if you sent yourself flowers, would you just let me see? I just, all right, I knew it would be Patty. Yep. Got two ladies. Good job, ladies. Way to go. <laughs> Give them a hand. Number one, the average consumer spends $116.21. Anybody spend more than that? I didn't. <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought. Number of consumers who celebrate 61, almost 2%. Per- now, this is interesting. The women who said, get out of here. I don't want you anymore if you didn't get me a Valentine's gift. 53%. Didn't, they said, I don't want you because you didn't buy me anything. Now, here's one to be careful, guys. <laughs> Number of children conceived, 11,000 children. So y'all behave yourself this, today, <laughs> okay? Eat your candy by yourself. Um, <laughs> you know, how many of you as a child or as, as a teenager probably ever did the little thing, uh, she loves me, she loves me not? You know, I, you know, you you had this uh, girlfriend or this boyfriend that you were hoping for, and you did this little thing. Uh oh, <laughs> she loves me. She loves me not. Oh, she loves me. She loves me not. She loves me. I know I'm not going all the way. <laughs> she loves me not. There you go, Michelle. She loves me. <laughs> she loves me not. You know, and. You know, we we were uncertain about that girl or that uh, guy's lo- love for us, and so the only way we could be certain was she loves me, she loves me not. Now, you know, I was thinking about that, and I was thinking about how many of us, many people today, think about God's love that way. You know, I I I uh, I read my Bible this morning. God loves me. Oh man, I flipped that guy off in traffic. God, he loves me not. You know, you know, I prayed this morning. He loves me. Oh, man, I said something I shouldn't have said. He loves me not. You know, I, I came to church today. He loves me. Oh, uh, I told a little white lie. He loves me not. 
Oh, whew, I tithe this morning. He loves me. And on and on and on and on. We kind of think that, you know, our behavior uh, somehow dictates if he loves me or he loves me not. You know, and that really ha messes us up when it comes to God's love. It, comes us, it messes us up uh, when it comes to living uh, a Christian life. You know, and because we have this uh, mindset that, you know, he loves me when I do good things, and he loves me not when I do so not good things. I don't think I said all that right, but anyway. Uh, and because of that uncertainty of God's love, we end up living with a boatload of problems in our life. You know, when we don't understand God's love for us, that he loves me regardless, that God's love is, he loves me regardless, it causes all kinds of problems like worry, Shame, fear, like guilt, insecurity, and the list goes on and on and on when we don't understand uh, God's love, that it's certain. So I thought on this Valentine's weekend it would, uh, uh, that I would uh, want you to leave here knowing that you can know for certain that God loves you. And you might say, well, how can I know for certain that God loves me, and that's what I'm going to talk to you about, first of all, or what I'm going to talk to you about today. First of all, I can know that God loves me because he made me. You can be certain that God loves you because he created you. The psalmist says, uh, the Lord is loving to all he has made. Now, God has created us. God made you to love you. Did you know that? That you were created so that God could love you. God created you so that he could be in fellowship with you, that he could be in relationship with you. God created you because he loves you. He loves you. And there's never a time that he doesn't love you because he made you. And God never show, God, uh, God does not show favors. He loves you. You know, God has never made a person that he didn't love. And because he made you, he loves you. The Bible says God is like a father. Now I'm talking about a good father. I'm talking about a, a, a healthy father. He says God is like a father, tender and sympathetic. He knows that we are but dust. Now it doesn't say that God is a judge. It doesn't say that God is a principal. It doesn't say God is a boss or an employer or a cosmic cop. You know, people have this thought that God is like this cosmic cop, and he's going, all right, I'm watching over you. Oh, my gosh, Josh, you just messed up. And somehow, he's going to knock us out. No, the Bible says that God is like a father, tender and sympathetic. He's like a perfect father. He cares about us. You know, God knew when he made us that we would mess up. And that's why it says, the Bible says that he is tender and sympathetic. He knows that we're dust. He knows we're going to mess up. And yet he still loves us. He still loves us. Now John, and from the book of John, the gospel of John. John, by the way, was uh, the apostle of love. And he wrote this, God is love. Now, as I think about that, maybe you don't get charged up about the same things I get charged up about, but the very fact that God is love fires me up. And I, and I think if that doesn't fire up a person, if it doesn't light your fire, then maybe your wood's just a little bit wet. And if, and if those three words are true, it makes all the difference in our lives. It makes all the difference in our lives. If God is truly love. You see, but we, we need to understand God is love does not mean that love is God. You see, in other words, love does not define God. Rather, God defines love. 
And much of this Valentine's thing that we do, and it's fun, and it's, you know, romantic, I guess, and, but much of what we call love, sending flowers and candy and all these little gadgets and all this kind of stuff, much of what we call love in America today uh, it has no resemblance or relationship to the holy and, and spiritual love of God. It says God is love, and he created us to have a relationship with him. And so God created us, and he loves us. Secondly, we can know for certain that God loves us because he knows every detail of your life. He knows every detail of your life. Jesus himself said, aren't five sparrows sold for two cents? God doesn't forget any of them. He says, every hair on your head has been counted. Don't be afraid. You're worth more than many sparrows. That's an awesome verse. You guys ought to be excited on this cold morning this morning because there is not a single bird that falls from the sky that God doesn't take notice of. Isn't that awesome? Think of all the birds that fly over your house or go to the bathroom on your car. Think of all those birds. And when one of those birds falls from the sky, God takes notice. He notices it. You see, he notices every bird. And how much more important are we than a few birds? Look at that person next to you. Look into their eyes. Well, maybe not. But look at that person next to you and tell them that they're more important than a few birds. You tell, that, you tell each other, okay? So much more important that God even knows every hair on your head. He knows every hair on your head. Now, now, while some of us may have a few more hairs than others, or you may have a few more hairs than me, because look, uh, the message is the same. God loves you, and he knows everything about you. If God knows every hair on your head, that means God knows everything about us. God is uh, intimately interested in every detail of your life. He's interested in when you're happy, and he's interested in you when you're sad. And when you make an A and when you make an F, you see, he's interested in you when you succeed, and he's interested in you when you fail. He's interested in you when you're down and depressed and discouraged. No matter where you are in life today, God is interested in you. He knows every detail in your life. And some of you are going through a tough time right now. And whatever, whatever that tough time is, no matter what you're going through, I want you to know today, God knows all about it. God is aware of it. The Bible says in Isaiah that God has our image carved in the palm of his hand. Now, you notice how tender that is. And God, when we are going through a difficult time, God has your image carved in the palm of his hand. The Bible says in Psalms that God collects our tears in bottles or buckets or pans or something up there. So when you get to heaven, your tears are stored up. And that tells me God cares. He cares about us when we go through those difficult times. God's aware of it. He cares about that family problem, that sexual problem, that problem with your friend, that problem with your finances, that problem with your addiction, that problem with your child, that problem at work, that problem in your marriage, that problem at school, that health issue, that eating disorder. God cares about that. And some people say, well, I'm going through all these difficult times in my life, these tough times. God must not love me. And that's a lie right out of hell. God loves you no matter where you're at in life. You know, he knew that you needed a church like Salem Fields. 
that will accept you just like you are. This place is not for perfect people. I can promise you that. And if you're here today and you're perfect, you're probably a little bit uncomfortable already. You're probably saying, I can't wait to get out of here because I'm perfect. Look at your neighbor if you're perfect and tell them, I'm perfect. Go ahead, Josh, tell her, man. <laughs> he cares. And he, he's aware because he loves us. Next, I can be certain that God loves me because he has a good plan for my life. God always wants the best for you. He always wants the best for me in your life. The Bible says in Jeremiah, I have good plans for you, not plans to hurt you. He says, I will give you hope and a future. Now, you see, God knows what will make you happy. God knows that. And he knows what will make you happy more than you do. But here's the problem. We think we know better what will make us happy than, happy, uh, than God, our creator. God created us, so after all, he knows what will make us happy. But we think that we know better than God. And so, and so what the problem with that is, is that we follow our own plan rather than God's plan. We say, I know, what, I know what's best for me. And so I go my own way. And here's what I've found about me. When I go my own way, I'm on my own. When I have my own plan, then God has no obligation to me. You know, if I decide that, you know, I read in the Bible that, you know, if I give 10% of my income, then God's going to bless my finances and I will have no need in my life that God will not take care of. And when I decide to do it on my own, I've got a better plan. I'll drop a few dollars in the offering plate. Then I can't complain to God when I'm going through a financial time, bad time in my life. Because I made the decision that I was going to ignore what God wanted me to do with my life because I have a better plan. I'm going to plan for my retirement. I'm going to take care of myself. And we do that throughout the Bible. Well, I know what God knows. I know, God, I know better than God knows what makes my wife happy. So I'll just have my own plan. And so therefore we end up with divorce because we don't go God's way. We don't do it the way God designed marriage to be. And we go our own way. And we end up with all kinds of problems in our life when we go by our plan and not God's plan. You know, we have problems like worry, guilt, fear, bitterness, resentment, depression, discouragement, insecurity, and all other of those things. Trust God. Trust God that God has a good plan for your life, and he knows what we need. He knows better than we do. You know, he, God made you. He has a purpose for your life. You matter to God. You are not your parents' mistake. You are not here by accident. The Bible says in Psalms 139 that before the creation of the earth, God saw your unformed body. And it goes on to say in Psalms 139 that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Let me tell you, folks, you're not a mistake. You're not an accident. God doesn't make mistakes. He doesn't create mistakes. You're here on purpose. Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and to have life in its fullness. And if you're not following God's plan in your life, you're not living. You're just getting up in the morning to eat a little breakfast, to brush your teeth, to go out and warm your car up, to drive up 95, to work yourself silly, come home in the evening to eat a little dinner, kick back in your recliner, fall asleep, drag yourself to bed so you can get up in the morning and eat a little breakfast and brush your teeth 
and get in the car and drive up to D.C. or wherever you drive, and you come home in the evening, they'll flop down, eat a little dinner, flop in your recliner, fall asleep, get up, drag yourself to bed. That's what I do. And get up in the morning and eat a little breakfast. And you do that until Friday, and then it changes a little bit on Saturday. And that's just living. That's just existing. That is not living. That's just existing. God has a plan for your life, and he knows every detail of your life because he made you, and he knows what's best for you. You can also know for certain that God loves you because he sent Jesus to die for you. He sent Jesus to die for you. Jesus' death is the ultimate certainty of God's love. If you're uncertain about God's love and you don't agree with anything I've just said, you can know for certain that God loves you, that he sent his son to die for you, and that he loves you. And if you have a son, you know how much love that is. Or if you have a daughter. Some years ago, a church in Atlanta honored one of its retired pastors. And after his introduction, he walked to the front of the church and everybody applauded and clapped for him and and. And, you know, and without a note or written paper of any kind in his hand, he, he placed both hands on the pulpits to steady himself. And, and then he quietly and he slowly began to speak. And he said, when I was asked to come here today, your pastor asked me to tell you what was the greatest lesson that I've ever learned in my 50 years of pastoring. And he said, I thought about it for a few days and it boiled down to just one thing. And he said, that's made the most difference in my life and it's sustained me through many, many trials. He said, the one thing that I could always rely on, I rely on when tears and heartbreak and pain and fear and sorrow paralyzed me. He said, the only thing that would comfort me was this, Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. We are weak, but... He is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. Let's stand and sing that little song together. God so loved the world that he sent his, you can be seeing, he sent his one and only son 
that whosoever believes in him, whosoever, that means anyone, believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. That is the foundation of our Christian faith. You know, and Gay and I were talking about that, and we never sing that song anymore. And we ask our, I ask our children today, sing that song today, so our children know that song. It's the foundation of our Christian faith. The students are singing that song this morning. How many of you would say that's the first time I've ever sung that song? Anybody here? Yeah. Yeah, see, and that's a song that kind of, I didn't even hardly go to church, but I knew that song as a kid because every time I went to church, we sang that song. Why? As a child, that was the foundation of my faith, that Jesus loves me. This I know. Well, the Bible tells me so. And we can know that God loves us. He proved it to us. The Bible says that God proves his love for us. And while we were yet still sinners, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Do you hear that? It said Christ died for us. It's the proof that God loves you. How many people are standing in line to die for you? I can't think of anybody in my line. How many people would really actually die for you? The Bible says that even while we were sinners, even while we were doing whatever we want to do, even while we were rejecting God and, and living any way that we wanted to, God sent his son to pay for the penalty for our sins, pay the penalty for our sins. All the things I've ever done wrong in my life, and there's been a boatload of them, or two, God already paid for them. You see, when, when you get to heaven, you'll stand before God and he'll say, why should I let you, let you into heaven? You can have two plans. Plan number one, because I was a good guy. We can say, I paid for all my sins on my own. I went to church, I prayed, I gave in the offering, I volunteered. I mean, I worked in the community. I told people about Jesus and so I'm good enough to get into heaven. Good luck. Or I can accept what Jesus did. I can accept his payment for my sins. You see, you don't stand a snowball's chance and you know where with plan A. The Bible says Jesus came to die for us. And if you've already asked Jesus, if you were to ask Jesus how much he loves you, he'd say, I love you this much. And I'd see the scars on his hands and his ankles and his feet. And he would say, I love you so much it hurt. It cost me everything. Lastly, I can know for certain that God loves me because he forgives me when I ask him. The Bible says that we confess our sins. He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. You see, the Bible says God will forgive you. If, God, if that verse is not true, let's just give it up because if God doesn't do what he says he do, if he doesn't forgive us, he's a liar. He is faithful. And he is just. And if he's a just God, he's got to do what he says he'll do. If we confess, he'll forgive. Not only will he forgive, but he'll purify us like it didn't even happen. I've got some stuff that's happened in my life that I'm God, glad that God not only forgave me, but he purified me. He took it from my life like it never happened. I'll tell you, sometimes I wish this was a shouting church. Yeah, yeah, thank you. You know. I, I watch, there's this, there's this uh, church, this black church that I watch on Sunday afternoons. I love this pastor. He preaches, man, and, and uh, you know, he'll preach and the people just talking to him. You know, they're just telling him all about it, and the, he'll say a point, and the organ will go, ooh. And I say, man, I'd love to preach there one Sunday. <laughs> I mean, because they, they know what they are. They're in. Anyway, 
<laughs> I just thought I'd tell you, I, I love watching. I can't remember his name right now, but I used to. <laughs> anyway, um, but, you know, maybe you thought, well, buddy, I've done some terrible things and I can never be forgiven. And I want to tell you, you are dead wrong. You are dead wrong. There's nothing that you've ever done that God won't forgive you. The Bible says we've all sinned and we're all in the same stinking, sinking boat. I've never met anyone who has never sinned. Any of you here today, anybody online that's never sinned? Look at your neighbor. Look at that beautiful bride of yours or whoever's sitting beside them. Tell them they're nothing but dirty, rotten, stinking sinner. <laughs> Just look. That'll be the only truth you tell them all day. <laughs> you know. Phew, we could go home on that one. <laughs> but anyway, really, none of us measure up to God's standards. I've blown it. You've blown it. I've made mistakes. You've made mistakes. I've sinned and you've sinned. But even so, the Bible says, you know that God declares us not guilty if we trust in Jesus Christ, who freely takes away our sins. What that means is there's never been a time in your life when God stopped loving you. He's never loved you any more than he loves you right now. As a matter of fact, there's nothing you can do right now to get God to love you any more than he already loves you, and there's nothing you can do to get God to love you any less than he already loves you, because God loves you. Yeah, yes. Uh-huh. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> he loves you. He loves me. And when we understand that, life begins to make sense. You know, God loves us. He really does. The Bible says in Ephesians, here's how much God loves you. I pray, Paul says, that you will be able to feel and understand how long, how wide, how deep, and how high God's love really is and experience the love for yourselves. There's four words there to describe God's love. How long, how wide, how deep, and how high his love really is. What does that mean? God's love is wide enough to include everybody. There's no one excluded. The church excludes people, but God does not exclude people. God's love is wide enough, it's long enough to include everybody. You know, I, I don't care who you are, I don't care what you did or what you've done or where you spent last night, God loves you. It includes you. It's long enough to last forever. You see, the problem with our love is this, it, it, it is, love is this, just like the roses, it dies. Our human love, it dies, just like those roses you got this morning are going to die. God's love is high enough to be everywhere. You, you never go anywhere that God doesn't go with you. Anywhere you go. The Bible says, Psalms 139, if I go down to the depths, he's there. If I go up to the heavens, he's there. If I lie down, he's there. If I get up, he's there. God is everywhere. You'll never be separated from God. And it's deep enough to meet your needs. When you go into, when you're in deep pit of despair, God's love is deeper. I came across this parable of the pit this week. It goes like this. A traveler fell into a deep pit and he couldn't get out. Several people came along and saw him struggling in the pit. And just like people, the sensitive person said, I feel for you down there. The reflective person said, it's logical that someone would fall into the pit. The interior designer says, I can give you some ideas on how to decorate your pit. The judgmental person said, only bad people fall into pits. You must be sin in your life because you fell in a pit. The curious person said, tell me how you fell into the pit. The legalist said, I believe you deserve that pit. The, the IRS agent said, you're going to pay taxes on that pit. 
The self-pitying person said, you should have seen my pit. You ever had anybody like that? Oh, I was sick. Oh, well, I was sick one time. It was bigger sick than you were sick. <laughs> the Zen Buddhist said, just relax. Don't think about the pit. The optimist says, cheer up. Things could be worse. The pessimist says, be prepared. Things will get worse. And Jesus said, Jesus seeing the man took the man by the hand and lifted him up out of the miserable pit. The point is some of you right now might be in a pit. Maybe you're in a sin pit and you've never asked God to forgive you. Maybe you're in a family pit and your family's falling apart. Some of you might be in an emotional pit and you're a wreck. Or you're in a financial pit or a job pit or a marriage pit or an addiction pit or whatever pit. And Jesus is here today to lift you out of the pit. It doesn't do any good to talk about love and compassion without demonstrating it. And God demonstrated his love while we were yet still sinners. He died for us. He died for us. He pulled me out of the miry clay and he set my feet on the solid rock to stay. God loves us. And he demonstrated it. He sent his son to die for us. God, said, God has a plan for you, and if you'll just let him in your life, things will begin to make sense. God wants to have a relationship with you, not religion. How about it? Do you need a relationship with Jesus Christ today? Do you need a hand out of the pit that you find yourself in today? If so, God is here, and he sent his son Jesus Christ to lift us out of that pit and place our feet on the solid rock to stay. Let's stand as we worship together. Father, we thank you. We thank you today that we are gathered here in this place. Lord, I thank you for the church here at Salem Fields Community Church. God, great people. And Father, I praise you and thank you for the honor that Gay and I have of being a part of this great body of Christ here on Gordon Road. And I just pray today, Lord Jesus, that you'll wrap your loving arms of love and care around each one. I pray, God, that you will just bless and keep each one of us in your care this day. And I pray, Lord, for those that may be in the pit of sin today or never invited Christ, never sought you, or not in a relationship with you, God, this day, that you would pull that person out of that pit of sin and death and darkness and set their feet on the rock. With all of our heads bowed and all of our eyes closed this morning. You know, I just want to do something corny. I think we all just grab each other's hand, you know, reach across the aisle. It's Valentine's Day. Let's show a little love. I hope the person next to you washed their hand. But, <laughs> but maybe you're here today. Maybe you're here today and you would say, you know, buddy, I don't know Jesus. I don't have a relationship with him. But I sure would like to. I'd like to know my sins are forgiven. I'd like to know that I'd go to heaven when I die. I'd like to know that God, I just want to know for sure that God loves me and he sent his son to die for me. If that's you today, would you pray this simple prayer with me? You can pray it under your breath today. Just pray it with all of your heart. Jesus, I believe that you are the son of God. Just pray that. I believe that you died on a cross for me. Just pray that. Jesus, I believe you died on a cross for me. So forgive me of my sins. Jesus, I confess to you today that I'm a sinner. Will you forgive me? Now, just this, pray this prayer. I invite you, Jesus, into my heart.
to be my Savior. Then you thank him. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for me. Thank you, Jesus, for being my Savior. Thank you that you love me so much you sent your son to die for me. Now, if you prayed that prayer today after church today, after the service is over, if you'll walk right out those doors, there's a table out there. We really want you to stop by and see the pastors that are out there and just talk to them for a brief moment because it's important that you understand what God did in your life today. And I thank you, Lord, for those who have prayed that prayer today. God, I pray for those that are in the pit today. And Lord, they love you, but life is just tough right now. I pray, oh God, that they'll put their trust in you. And God, that you'll lift them out of the pit today and give them hope. Lord, you have a plan for us because you made us and you know every detail about us and you love us so much you sent your son and you even forgive us when we mess up. What a God we serve. Happy Valentine's Day from God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's worship together.